Hey, this is Lovely Creatures. There was a bunch of guys out in the garage with a bottle of whiskey and an eight ball. You know, I, I'm, all of a sudden I'm interested in cars. Hey, it's true. Welcome to Lovely Creatures. I'm here with Emma, as always. Hey, How guys. I'm very well. This is a first for us here on uh, Lovely Creatures. We have uh, an athlete in our midst, Mm -hmm. a sober athlete, which is new and exciting. Who I actually met through my grandpa, who was also in the program and was the father to my mom, whose basement we're in. So this is a friend of the family as well. Have some serious sober lineage, uh, lineage, lineage, lineage. Man, I can't even say that word. Lineage. Let's do it again. Yeah. You have some serious sober lineage. My grandpa used to come up and wrap his arms around me and my mom in meetings, and be and he'd grab whichever bystander was closest who had was not, you know, just grab them. He'd be like, "It's in the genes. <laughs> <laughs> it's inescapable. It's in the genes. There you go, eh? Yeah." Warm and it would, informative. It would sound like a threat, but he really meant it fondly. <laughs> Sounds like AA. <laughs> a fond threat coming at you. The family of AA. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure to be here, actually. And and uh, we would have met probably at the racetrack. Yep. That's where I yep. would see your grandfather most of the time. Yep. I don't know. I was just researching there. I wasn't doing an awful lot of were you gambling sober? or anything you like that? There? Yeah, no. Pardon me? Were you sober at the racetrack there? Uh, very doubtful. Uh-huh. I wasn't a partier. I was a drinker. Uh-huh. I like drinking. How do, you, what do you, how do you define Well, partiers, uh, you know, they, they go to, you know, wine and cheese parties and they talk to people and that. But if there was a, a bunch of guys out in the garage with uh, a bottle of whiskey and an eight ball... Uh, you know, I, I'm, all of a sudden I'm interested in cars. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going out to the garage, and I may come back to the wine and cheese party later on. But you know, I'd probably end up by myself, using and and drinking. I was. You know. And and there's lots of partiers, but there may not be a lot of drinkers, as you're saying. What do you what do you if think? He's about talking that? about a party of one, really. Party. Well, but, uh, p- people talk about drinkers as partiers. Right. We're not partiers. Yeah. We're drunks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's like the, uh, we're uh, drunks and uh, drug addicts. Right. Most people are dual addicts too. Like, um, I I couldn't imagine doing uh, liquor or, or beer without cocaine. What's the point? And why is that? You know, because it makes you a much more efficient drinker. Exactly. You know, you don't have to have those naps all the time, and uh, you're not throwing up and uh, slurring and all. All you just have to pop into the washroom and do so a little burst, hand and hand uh, then you're you're good to go. I, I strongly recommend it to anybody that's in recovery that's planning a slip to get into the blow with with the uh, alcohol because it'll get you it'll take you to a bottom that you've never imagined very quickly. Yes. You know, mentally, physically. Uh, spiritually and financially. How long did it take you to get sober? Uh, I went. I went to AA for eight years. I never got a day sober. Really? I used to get a little high before I went to the meetings, and then I'd get a little high after. But I only went just to get my wife and my boss and uh, other people off my back. Mm-hmm. 
reasons. I, I went for all the wrong reasons, but nobody ever said to me, don't come back. Mm-hmm. You know, they just said, uh, you're not, not ready yet. And how, uh, how long were you out there drinking before you started to uh, foray into the rooms? Of- uh, you know, 25 years maybe. I'm from Ottawa, so the drinking age in Ottawa is 21, and Hull it's 12. So you get you know you get going early over there. You know you you get a tray of draft for two bucks. You know if you could drink a tray of draft without puking, you were happening in the Ottawa Valley. So um, so you grew up in Hull. You grew up uh, you grew up watching hockey. When when did you start playing hockey? I started playing hockey when I was like three four years old. When my mother just put my skates on, and uh, there was no salt in those days, so I just skated down to the rink. And hung out there all day, and you, like you know, and then I come home for lunch, and then she put the skates back on me. I go back down to the rink, and then uh, come back home for dinner, and then uh, go back down to the rink till about nine o'clock, and then uh, come home and was crash. A, was this a dream of yours? I mean, when you looked at, you know, when you were got a little older, were you thinking, "Hey, I'm going to be a hockey player"? Well, I was going, yeah, I was going to be a hockey player when I was uh, ten or eleven years old. Okay. Uh, they had a thing at. Uh, you know, at school, that oh, who wants to be a fireman? And people would put their hands up, and and then uh, the teacher asked, who, "Who wants to be a hockey player?" I stood up, right. and I just said, uh, "Yeah, that's where I'm going." Right. You know, and I and I, I got rid of I I got out of school at age 16. I think I left home at 15 to come to Toronto to to play junior because they didn't have a junior team in uh, in Ottawa at the time. So I, I came here and I was hanging around with guys who were. 18, 19 years old, and uh, I could drink just as just as well as they could. So, you know, I was accepted by the by the guys. And, okay, you know, and you got uh, and you went pro. You started playing. Who'd you play? Started with? playing pro when I was 19 years old. I was supposed to play with the Leafs, but I, w- I was in such bad condition when I went to my first training camp that I got sent to the minor leagues. Wait so, a sec. You you showed up. Like from in drinking? Ba- in bad shape. No, not from drinking. Oh, okay. Just from not being, uh, I wasn't fit. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. so I was 215 gotcha. pounds and gotcha. my playing weight was like 190. Ah, okay. So I was, you know, I, I played terrible. Gotcha. Yeah. So when uh, when did you kind of arrive as a hockey player? When I was 12, 13 years old. I was probably the best 12 or 13 year old hockey player in Canada. There weren't any uh, Russians or right. uh, Swedes or <laughs> no Czechs playing in those days. Time, so, right. You know, Just when rich. I walked into a rink, people would say, "Hey, that he's going to play in the NHL." That guy. And then, and I you did. Hear that. You did. You had to sidestep to the minors, but you ended up. I know nothing about hockey. But yeah, you ended that's up. okay. Neither do I. Yeah. But I, I ended up in the, yeah three years in the minor leagues, and. Uh, I, I was playing in uh, Rochester at one time. Uh, I was a full-blown alcoholic at 19, 20 years old, and there was another guy on the team that was complaining and moaning about everything. And so that's how I ended up room with Don Cherry for like three years. Okay. You know, and he was great. He was great for me. He was good for my confidence, and okay. he got me going again. Uh, and I, I started playing well. I, I played for the Leafs. Uh, Three years later, in 69, I think, was my first year. I turned pro in 66. In 69, I started with the Leafs. Wow. And uh, yeah, I, had, I had some good years. You know, Did we you? always made the playoffs when I was there. And uh, then I'd, and I played a lot until Borea came and then, uh, you know, Bonsoir Luke. 
you know, he was one of the best players ever. So, play, you so. know what? In my who's, mind, who's, I mean, you know, you hear this is the, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs just, uh, you know, in a period where they were amazing. And, you know, you would think that that would be the greatest thing since sliced bread. How did drinking compare to playing hockey at that time in your oh, life? Oh, way better. Okay. Drinking was way better than, uh, yeah, than playing hockey. But Did you drink it, while it, playing? One was, huh? Did you drink while playing? Are you kidding me? No. No, you, you get killed. That's what I no, mean. No, but I, I drank immediately after. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't drink uh, like uh, an awful lot of water in the third period. If you get my drift. So I always had at least a dozen, maybe 18 and in, in, on ice in my bag. Ready. Which had uh, reinforced handles. Every uh, bag that I had was waterproof and had reinforced handles. Because so, all I'd take on the road would be a toothbrush and uh, as much ice as I could get into my suitcase as possible. So when you were talking about the phenomenon of craving, how once you start, you can't stop. So you knew you wouldn't be able to stop you. So you just didn't start till you were done playing. But when you were uh, when you were finished playing, it was on. Finish, but you know, when the game was over. Yeah, you'd hold yeah, off until yeah, the game was over. Yeah, you could hold yeah. off. Then until I'd go then. in and have a shower. I'd be out of the room before the goaltender got in. <laughs> I'd be I'd, I showered, dressed, and gone. Mm-hmm. You know, out on the loading dock waiting for the bus, having a beer. And then, know? how did you recover from that in time to play? The next time, like as it escalated and you were drinking more and more, how was the turnaround? Well, time? the guys on every team were drinking. Yeah, there was, there, was, there 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 was nobody from Forest Hill or Rosedale in the league when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Right, we're all from Kirkland Lake, Ottawa East, Hamilton, you know, mm-hmm. Stony Creek, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> Kitchener. <laughs> so I mean, uh, you know, and, so and then we're walking around with a couple of grand in our pockets because uh, Bobby uh, Hull jumped to the other league, so all our salaries tripled. Because we had another place to go then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, life was good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the, the first time that hockey players started making any money. When I was finished playing hockey, I owed $90,000 in back taxes. Uh-huh. You know, luckily I wasn't as good as Bobby Orr. I think he end, ended up owing a lot more than I did uh-huh. because they put us into some bad investment things. So. What, uh, when did, uh, when did drinking start to affect your, your hockey career? Oh, when I was 16, 17. Okay, no, so right away yeah. there was a oh, dance yeah. between the two. Yeah, they'd say, oh, this guy's nuts. You okay. know, he's, he's, they'd say you're wild or, you know, but I, I you know. And I the players just, would say or management would say or who yeah, would say? Yeah, my, my management, everybody's, okay. you know, everybody would say, you know, he's nuts. Okay. He's so crazy. you had a reputation. Then, uh, yeah, yeah, I had a bad reputation when I was playing junior. And then, uh, you know, it got worse when I got to pro. It's a, a, a disease that escalates. Yeah. Right. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, you that's know, what I was going to ask you. Know, like you they put no me idea. on an abuse they, at uh, 25. Like they just they said, uh, either, yeah, we're, we, we can't deal with your drinking anymore. So, you know, you better do something about it. So I go to a doctor. The guy put me on an abuse, and How thank God it didn't last? work on marijuana. Uh, so, so then that I was just went on the marijuana right. maintenance program, on, and that worked for you know a couple of months. And then I figured, why should why take these uh, these um, an abuse tabs? And uh, so then I said, I have the odd beer. Or I, I drink that near beer. Uh-huh. Then you could mix in light beer with it because uh, it smelt the same, right? All right. So anybody that's drinking near beer is probably drinking. 
real beer. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I know I know a lot of guys I, that drink I near beer. Never but, drank a beer know, in my life. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. You know. It, yeah. You know. I, I wasn't crazy about the taste of booze, but I really like the effect. Yeah. You know. I, I it took all the care, worry, boredom out of my life. You know. Yep. Boom, just like that. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous. Mm -hmm. Spectacular. So when, um, when did you, uh, when did your drinking start to be like really problematic, where you were losing control? Oh, I, I, it wasn't because I had, you. I had money. Right. You know, like so. So that was the equation for you, as long as you had money. Yeah, like then yeah. You could drink. Well, the the four biggest hurdles for uh, recovery are health, wealth, youth, and brains. Right. You know. You got like, I, 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 you know, and I, I was healthy when I was forty. I, uh, I wasn't wealthy, but I, I was doing okay. Money, yeah. And uh, I, I didn't have youth, uh, and and I wasn't that smart, you know. So, I, uh, you know, I had a, a couple of hurdles there, but uh, I, I went to a, a guy to quit smoking. He was going to hypnotize me. He asked me about my background and. Uh, you know, he says, "Do you drink at all?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, you know, I've been in AA for eight years." He said, "Well, when did you have your last drink?" I said, "Well, I had a couple of pops last night." He says, "Oh," he says, "How about uh, marijuana?" I said, "Oh, I like that stuff." He said, "How often do you use it?" I said, "Pretty well every day." He said, "How long has that gone on for?" I said, "About thirteen years." Mm -hmm. He said, "I think you got a problem with that." He says, "How about uh, cocaine?" I said, "No, I never touched that shit." When in actual fact, I'd done about an eight ball all by myself the night before, and I'd had stayed down in the basement, really quiet, because I didn't want to wake my wife up. Because, uh, but I had some Valium in my pockets up there, and I was thinking, Jesus, maybe if I could if I could get up there, <laughs> you know, just and not wake her up. But the, I didn't, so then I, you know, I had to wait till she got up in the morning and had breakfast, and then the door closed and. And then I just ran right upstairs. I whacked back the two Valiums, the blue ones, mm -hmm. of course. And then uh, put on a pair of uh, blue jeans and some uh, Doc Siders and a T-shirt and a raincoat. And then it was uh, January 8th, 1988. It was about 400 below zero and really windy outside. I, I ran down the street. I had to do a quick 440 to the uh, TD Bank. Because I knew I'd be way too sick to go to work that day. Pulled out another 300 bucks and then jumped into a cab and went over to Dr. Rotenberg's to get uh, hypnotized for smoking. <laughs> so I was a guy that, you know, I could multitask in those days. I, I don't know if I could get away with it today. <laughs> right, there was but, a skill testing question. Well, uh, yeah, like I, I, not everybody could do that, I don't think. I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think anybody would want to. <laughs> no, but, you know, and then I go through the interview with them when I'm, you know. You know, half mm -hmm. half stoned. You know, like you know. You don't want to get sober in treatment. You're not willing to pay, and your wife is on your ass that you have to get sober. Yeah, she is about my behavior. You know, like uh, you know, I had two kids at the time. Uh, you know, I don't know if I had a car. I didn't have a car then. I was on the subway all the time, but I liked that because I, then I couldn't get stopped for impaired driving. Uh -huh. You know, the number, uh, I, I probably drove home impaired about uh, 500 times, but my, my only concern, well, I never was concerned about killing anybody, just not to get caught by the cops. Mm -hmm. So there'd be a DUI and then my, my name would be in the paper, mm -hmm. you know. 
But I mean, I, that's how selfish I was. I was so into self. Those those eight years of uh, being a visitor or being whatever, and yeah, whatever you want to yeah. call it in AA. What was that? Uh, what was lacking there? Was there was there something? Oh, lacking? I got nothing. No, I, I uh, half measures availed us nothing. Okay. You know, if you cut half your grass, half the half the lawn's done. You, you do give it a half-assed effort at uh, AA, you get nothing. So what does half-assed Zero. look like for AA for you, like coming in Half-assed is uh, just going to meetings okay. and uh, you're not working one-on-one with others. It's, gotcha. It tells your practical experience, shows that nothing so much ensures immunity from alcohol as uh, intensive work with other yeah. alcoholics, yeah. one-on-one. Yeah. So you didn't have a sponsor? One-on-one. I, no, I well, I had sponsors. Yeah, they wanted all they wanted were hockey tickets. You know? They didn't want me to get recovery. They had no recovery, anyways. They didn't know. They didn't even know what a big book was. Right. You know, like so I've was, I've been through this book two thousand times now. You know, and I love it every 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 time every time I go through it's it's new for me, fresh and new. Tell me about the first time you went through the book where it made contact. I, I was three years uh, three years sober, and my son. Uh, was in the program at the same time, and uh, then he went out on a on a slip, and uh, he was embarrassed to go back to his home group. So he he went to a, a meeting he'd never been to before in his life, and um, this guy comes up to him. He says, "Kid, you really look like you're hurting." Uh, he says, "I got the answer for you," and he shows him the book. And Jason, being the good alcoholic addict that he is, told him to piss off. And uh, went to another meeting the next night that he'd never been to in his life. Same guy's there, Crazy Rich. And uh, Rich says, listen, now God's talking here. He says, go get yourself a big book. We'll go over to coffee time. We'll start going through the book. And within two weeks, Jason had way better recovery than I did. All I, I had was sobriety. I didn't have any recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just going to the meetings. Right. You know, and, and to my understanding now, the, the power of the, of the meetings is 10%, the spiritual experience is 10%, and my relationship with my higher power is 80%. Right. This this book is a miracle because it guides me to God. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people don't like God. You know, yeah. they don't want to, ooh, I don't want to, ooh, I don't want to go to AA because uh, <laughs> I don't like God you, stuff. I don't know that God stuff. Right now, it's I just awesome. call him God because uh, I can spell that. Right. You know, right. like it's a power greater than Jim. That's all I have to believe in. Yeah. As soon as I believe or I'm willing to believe in a power greater than Jim, they emphatically assure me that I'm on my way. 100 people that wrote this book emphatically assure me I'm on my way. Well said, because a lot of people, all they hear is the God thing. They don't hear the yeah, not no, it's God God, not thing. God. It's, it's spirituality. I need spiritual. I need God right right now. Yeah. You know, like lack or um, lack of power. That was our dilemma. Yeah. There is one who is all power. That one is God. Yeah. May you find him now. Do not wait for Halloween. <laughs> you know, you can you can die from this disease. Oh, no, no you know, like yeah. Now they got that fentanyl stuff. I'm yeah. geez, I'm. I'm a little pissed I missed that. Me too. You know, and all the oxygen. That's what I think. That morphine. I, yeah, I, I, way I, too soon. Yeah, I know. They got know. so many toys out there now. Yeah. And so people this, are dying. And more people die of this disease mm-hmm. than all the cancers put together. And they put billions of dollars into cancer research. Mm-hmm. And they put hundreds of dollars into uh, addiction research. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Why is that? Because addicts don't want to get better. You mm-hmm. know, if you told a terminal cancer patient that 
If you learned the 12 steps and went out and did one-on-one with other people, you would get better. Mm-hmm. Without taking any drugs or anything, we give you a 100% guarantee that you get better. How many of them do you think would take that deal? Mm-hmm. Every single one of them, but mm-hmm. not in AA or not, right. you know, not, not addicts, not at a treatment center, maybe 5%. So that's really interesting. So you, not only are you now a veteran in AA in your own sobriety, but you work in a treatment Yeah, I work center. at a treatment center. I, yeah, so they use my name. So some people say, oh, yeah, I used to play for the Leafs, so we'll go there. But I don't charge to do the one-on-one. Right, yes. So no, I, I know. I can't charge for that. I know. And I, and I do a lot of people outside of of right. the treatment center, but I, they do offered some 12-step action right. at that treatment center, whereas a lot of treatment centers, you know, don't offer the 12-step thing because mm-hmm. they think you can get that in AA, but you can't get it in AA because it ain't there. Mm-hmm. You know, I went what do you to mean AA, by that? What do you mean what by it's that? Not, not enough people do the one-on-one work. Gotcha. It tells you 72 times in the first 88 pages to work one-on-one with others. How many people do you know in the in the rooms that that work one-on-one with others. How many? It's true. It's the, it's, it's you know, the single, and I know a lot a, of people. Yeah. But a lot of, they, they through service and, and other things, they help. They help a lot of people. So, I, you know, like, I'm not knocking them for not doing that. But, no, I but mean, the, that's the only way that I know how to get better. I, I know that this works. So your, th- your journey into recovery really started with the one-on-one experience. With the with booking, the book yeah. Well, I was, I was uh, yeah, I, I used to uh, chair a meeting at a, at a detox in the East End of Toronto. And this guy came in one night, and he, he shared, and he, did, he blew me away. Holy Christ. You know, and, and he was one of the muckers, right. Glenn M., right. you know. So, guys, and, a mucker is somebody that goes through yeah, the book. Yeah, they muck the book up. Like, your book looks like. He's got a book, and it's all I have. My grandpa gave me a book. He's got a huge, big book with like really big print. Yeah. So there's underlines and circles, yeah, and there's notes my... in the margins. Yeah. And it's when you work one on one, and the person that's walking you through the book. Did the person that walked you through the book? They want my sponsor when she walked me through it. She wanted me to underline anything I identified with or didn't understand, and then I would show back up, and we would read oh, it okay. together. So for yeah. people listening, though, what's what's the point of booking? Is to really kind of absorb. Uh, so the so you see how the book pertains to you. Okay. This book is about me. It's about you. It's about it's about everybody that's in the program. We're all from different backgrounds, but when we drink and we use drugs, yeah. we're exactly the same. Yeah. You know, the first eighty-eight pages have not changed in uh, you know since nineteen thirty-nine, and that's. Gotcha. And That's the, where it is. And the first 88 pages kind of detail what the disease is yeah, really and then, in all its glory. And yeah. Every single angle and facet. And, yeah, yeah. And really yeah. like. Yeah, you'll see sure yourself corner, in there. Yeah. the alcoholic. Yeah, the first few sure times they... I, I read it, I said, geez, no wonder these people are so sick. <laughs> then about the fifth time I go through it, fuck, they're talking about me here. You know, and, uh, you know. Okay. And it's the, be- it's the best part of my life now. Right. You know, the like when, when I'm booking somebody. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bulletproof. When I stop, then I start thinking I'm normal again, you know. And my and my wife, if she gives me any aggravation, I, you know, tell her where to go and all that. I react badly to her because I'm still insane. I've got, you know, this. It's a progressive disease, so the disease has been progressively getting worse in me. But I, I can control it with this, yeah. with the book. The book can slow down the process. 
I'm going to die of alcoholism. We'll all die of alcoholism because yeah. nobody can take it away. Yeah. You know, no, no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Yeah. God could and would if he were sought. He could relieve it. He couldn't remove it. So, you know, you have to work at it. But it's okay because I see all the people that I like the most in the world at, at the meetings or in the coffee shops. Right. You know, they're like my best friends are, are now in the program. I have a lot of friends I play golf with, a lot of old hockey players that are friends of mine. But gotcha. the, my, my really close friends are, are in the program. So, like, is, how long have you been sober now? I'm sorry if you said 30, 30 years. something. 30? 30 years. Okay. So... You know how the the external. I'm not saying I'm just I'm sober. I'm recovered. Re- I'm recovered, but I'm not saying I'm crazy. Sober, I hear. Yeah, you. okay. So it's comforting to know that's the yeah. road ahead. I wondered if yeah. I was doing something wrong. But I know you're okay. No, but I mean, no, <laughs> we don't spend a lot of time together. I don't want to be taking your inventory. Oh, but, I'll freely no. give it. It's public no. record. If you're related to Spud. <laughs> you're okay by me. You're you're good. <laughs> Spud's my grandpa. Um, okay, so you know how the external changes dramatically, right? Like, yes, we're healthier, we're, we have better relationships, this, that, and the other thing. But what is, what's the forefront change in you now, 30 years sober, that you look at as the kind of game changer uh, for you, right? Like, you know when you're new and, like, it's a novel thing to wake up and know yeah. where you are? 30 years later, what's the what's the real value for you? Yeah, my focus now is on others, you know. That's our very lives yeah. as ex-problem drinkers depends upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking of others yeah. all the time. And I, when I... I first came across that, I, I said to my sponsor, how can I think of others all the time? He said, well, you thought of yourself for 25 years, no problem. <laughs> Just sort of turn that around. Uh-huh. And uh, and I do now. How and, long... and I know that any trouble that I'm in, I have caused. Right. You know, and, and which is great because I can fix myself. Right. I can't fix anybody else. If, if I could fix other people, I'd go around the world fixing them. I'd make a billion dollars. We'd all be doing this show in Monaco. <laughs> okay. Right next to the casino. We're going to the casino right, right after. And the immediately track. After. And the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. How long did that take? The witch. Focusing to, on others, like naturally focusing uh, on others. It's just people. something I, I ran. I probably read it. I oh, probably I've read, read it, it 20 years ago, yeah, but didn't it, the light didn't come on until yeah. uh, maybe 15 years ago. And then uh, okay, now, I, now I do it, and I'm doing prayer meditation now. Yeah, I got that. I'm doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I put the headphones on, I put on uh, Deepak Chopra or whoever, mm-hmm. these superstar uh, mm-hmm. meditators know, Meditators are. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I listen to them every morning. Uh-huh. And it, uh, if I don't do it, I, I, I don't feel as good. I, well, I, I just don't not do it. I, it's, yeah. You know, I'm on the RPM thing. You, you rise, you pee, you meditate. Mm. Boom. Do you do coffee you, you before meditation? You get right meditation? out of the way. Huh? Coffee before meditation? No coffee. No? no. At all? Or no, just after. Be- oh, after. Okay. After. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's something to Yeah, I can't drink to. it now. I get, yeah. It gives me uh, anxiety. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's something. It's one of the ramifications of uh, 
of drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's in the forward to the second edition. I think it, it talks about we know only but little about alcohol mm-hmm. and all its ramifications. Yeah. Well, its ramifications gave me a heart attack. Uh-huh. I'm wearing a, a defibrillator now, and uh, I can't drink coffee, and I I can't speak at meetings because I get uh, I get panic anxiety. Oh, really? You can't yeah, speak so at I, meetings? Yeah, so I just don't do it anymore. No. Oh. No, well, but thank it's you uh, for coming it's here. okay. I mean, my life's great. Uh-huh. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining about that. No, it's just you know, collateral. it's great. Yeah, I get I get to go on podcasts and all kinds of here shit. You well, here you are. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, thank you for reparking meeting, the car. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's close. Yeah. Yeah, and we appreciate uh, your time and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us. All, all the things that I said are, are available to everybody, and, and everybody deserves recovery. Mm. You know, and give themselves a chance. Come to the rooms. If you screw up, doesn't matter. Come on, you keep coming back. Mm. And uh, you'll, you'll meet some great people. You, you, know, you won't believe how great the people are in, in, the, in the program, really. And uh, your message was super clear, and uh, and we were uh, we're privileged to have it, and uh, it was clear. I mean, it's 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 a message of uh, of depth and weight. You're talking about uh, somebody who is uh, self-focused, self-obsessed, that asked, you know, or got some help and transferred that vector yeah. looking well, I surrendered. into somebody I sur- else. Yeah, I surrendered, and then I started, started sharing, then I made amends, and I took guidance. Right. So if, if those were the simple kind of spiritual oh, tools laid, key, at the, laid at my the feet. The thing, you know? as you said, is that 80% that... Yeah, I need the, I God. need God. I gotta yeah. get to God. I gotta yeah. I gotta have him. I want I gotta be aware of the presence of God mm-hmm. in my life. I don't I don't want, you know, like having faith in God is like having a thimble of it. Mm-hmm. When being aware of the presence of God in your life is like having a whole swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And we're sick. We need the swimming pool. And you know? It's clear that you found your swimming pool in the big book of Dude, Oh yeah, it's like great. That. Yeah. I go yeah, I'm booking tomorrow morning. Book him I in the bed. Wait. Book them in the bed. In yeah, the book them in the bed. Book them yeah, yeah, anywhere. Book them in the meetings. Book yeah. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Book Beautiful. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. So, guys, we don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. We're just a few members trying to stay sober and maybe help someone else along the way. So, we would like to thank the people who put this podcast together. Joshua, Tim, Mio, Drew, and I'm Emma. Original music in this podcast was created by Jeffrey Moon. Jeff, you're the best.